think I'm going to sing Jesus Loves I'll Me. Look at her and sing to him. Jesus loves me, yes I know. For a Bible Timmy so little ones to hear me on. They only hear what's wrong. Jesus loves me, yes Jesus loves me. Yes Jesus loves me, for a Bible Timmy so. Good job. <laughs> Keep it up. You're going to take Conley's place. All right. Well, I appreciate everybody being here. The ones that can make it. Every, we got a bunch out today uh, vacating. Or actually, they're all coming back today. So it looks kind of naked out here in front of me. Uh, I've only got one announcement. Nathan, you messed this thing up. I can't get it fixed. All right, there we go. One announcement, um, August 15th. This is something that was asked for. We've been trying to get it together. Um, been a little slow process, but August 15th, it's a Monday evening at 6 o'clock. We're going to be having, it's called Healing Sisters. Now, this probably has nothing to do with anybody in this this church today, but it will um, if we get Miss Georgia back here from Florida. She's still down in Florida. But it's called Healing Sisters, and it's going to be a widow support group. Um, she'd asked for it. We had a couple of other widows had been talking about it, and so the Avery Baptist Association, myself and, and, and Brother Bob Garbett, got together, and we're going to let these women um, get together. They're going to, for now, going to do it at the pregnancy center until we can get the water turned back on over at the association building, but we're going to let them get together once a month if they want to, twice a month, whatever, and just have a time of support, have some guest speakers come in and, and take care of them, but I think this would be uh, something good uh, for the widows and it's not just for church going widows this is something that we want to open up to the entire community to everybody here in Avery so if you know of anyone that is a widow and, and would like to have um, a time uh, fellowship with the other widows in the area uh, they can get in touch with me we'll give them some information and I know I'll be there I'll, I'll be the first guest speaker uh, I told him I said I don't I'll never be a widow I don't. I'm, I might be a widow, but I'll never be a widow. So, so I'll I'll uh, I'll be uh, the first one there with them. So uh, August fifteenth. If they got any, if you know anybody that be interested in that, let them contact me and and we'll get that going. I think it'd be great. That is all I've got. So if you got your Bibles, turn over to Colossians chapter two. Colossians chapter two. I bet y'all were thinking I was going back to First Peter, maybe moving in Second Peter. Now we're actually gonna be over in. in uh, Colossians today, and how many of y'all ever ever heard somebody tell you to grow up? You ever, you ever yeah, we tell Paige that all the time, just grow up. <laughs> we don't want them to grow up, but that's, that's, a, that's a phrase we tend to use a lot of, and uh, we're going to look at how to grow up as Christians this morning. There's a, a rebuke over in the book of Hebrews that, that uh, I, I like to read. It kind of reminds me of some things, so I'm going to read it to you real quick, but it's a rebuke to Christians that uh, they would take, a lot of us, we ought to take this to heart sometimes. Hebrews 5.11 says, Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing, for when, for when, for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. 
But strong meat belongeth to them that are full are of full age, even those who by reason of us have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, there's a lot there, and I'll talk more about it a little bit later, but that's that's just a good reminder right here. He's saying we have a lot to say about Jesus, but we don't listen the way we used to. We have a lot to tell people. We have a lot that we have learned over time. We have things that we have talked about in Sunday school, things that you've heard the preacher talk about. There's even times that we can recall what we have sung, and we can tell people about it, but there's more to the Bible than just the little bit that we know. And what they're telling us there is to keep learning, keep growing, keep maturing in the Word of God. We've got to keep studying. We've got to keep listening to the preacher, start, keep uh, listening to the teacher. We've got to keep singing these songs, learn new songs, learn new Bible verses. The Bible tells us to keep doing more and more. The Bible's telling us to grow up, to grow in the Word of God. That's what we've got, and we've got to keep doing this. We can't just... Uh, like I said a lot, we can't just, uh, we're not saved to sit, we're saved to serve. We're not saved to sit in the pews, we're, ser- we're saved to serve God and to continue to study and, and to grow and grow and grow and mature and allow Him to keep molding us and making us and building us and using us in a, in a way that would please Him. These folks have been in church, what we're reading here in Hebrews, they've been in church all their lives and they sat under uh, enough teaching that they could about teach the entire Bible. But they were younger. Like I said, they grew up in church. And if you grow up in church, a lot of times you grow out of church. So if you ever notice a lot of people that there's a, a lull in between. So they grow up in church, and then once they graduate and gone into college or moved off or whatever, they get out of church. They grow out of church. But then they start having a family, and they get back into church. There's a, a gap in there. And so there's times in that during that time of the gap, the gap years, that there needs to be more growth. we need, got to get back in the Word of God. you got to keep getting refreshed. But because they had become dull of hearing, they needed simple truths the same way that a, a baby needs simple foods like milk. They need simple. They don't handle, and, and I, I, I'm going to talk about philosophy and the, theology today too, and that's over my head, but I'm still going to talk about it. But they need to be fed little bits because they, it's almost like their little minds can't comprehend because they've forgotten a lot of things that they were taught during, during their younger days when they grew up in church. So they want to be fed just a little bit. Not a lot, but just a little bit. Just a little bit, to, like my grandma always said, to wet their whistle. They, they just want just a little bit, to, just like a baby needs just a little bit of simple milk. You know, babies are born when Clayton was born, all of them. When they was all born, you know, we didn't just swing by McDonald's and grab a hamburger and give it to them when we was on the way home from the hospital. What did we do? Give them formula. We fed him just a little bit that he could handle. That's all he can handle. It's, he's getting a little better now. He's, he's eating some things. But he's growing. As you grow, you can eat more. You can do more. When he's little, you can't give him but just so much. We couldn't, I can't remember. We started out with like two or three or four ounces or something like that. How many? Two ounces. Started out with two ounces. Now he's up to about eight, roughly. See, he's growing. He's getting more and more. He's eating more and more. He's growing more and more, and that's how, the, that's how a Christian is. We start out little. We can only handle but just so much. If we was to try to make him eat more than those two ounces when he's little, he'd throw up. You have to burp him and all that stuff, but he can't handle but so much. But as he starts growing, he can take on more. Same as a Christian. When we start as a Christian, we can only handle so much. We can get overwhelmed as a Christian. 
And so we take a little bit of time, a little bit of time, and the more that we grow in it, the more that we can take on, the more that we can learn, the more we want to learn. There's people that will go online and take online Bible studies, or they'll get on the internet and they'll, they'll do YouTube, or they'll, they'll do something like that so that they can take on more because they want to know more. They're not getting as much as they want to out of the church, so they're going to go and they're going to get more somewhere else. They're going to do their own Bible studies. Um, you know, as babies, I, I kind of got ahead of myself there, but they process more solid foods. The older they get, the more they can eat. They can process more. The processed solid foods, the older we get, the more we mature, the more we can process up here. We can process the Word of God a little bit more because things start, we start seeing the parallels between Old Testament and New Testament. We start seeing the parallels and we start seeing um, the things in the parables that we talk about. So we got, well, there's more there. We, the older we get, the more we can process the Word of God. And those who mature learn to discern good from evil. That's one of the important things as Christians that we've got to remember. The older we get, the more we mature in the Word of God, the more that we can tell the difference between good and evil. And we need to be constantly growing and maturing. So in Colossians, we find some very important steps to help us to grow up. And that's what Paul's going to tell us how to do, grow up. If you've got your Bibles, turn over to Colossians 2. Stand with me just a moment. Colossians 2, 6 through 14. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Let's pray. Father God, this, this morning again, we want to come to you. Thank you for the way you feed us. Thank you for the way you sustain us. Lord, thank you for the word of God. That it is the bread. It is the bread of life. It is what we need uh, to, to be partaken of, Lord, to grow and continue to mature and to, Lord, to, uh, Lord, to nourish us, nourish our souls the way we are to be nursed. And I pray, God, that we continue to belly up to this table and continue to feast on this manna that you provided for us. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to not only partake of the manna, but, Lord, drink of the, the water that you have provided as well. And God, I pray today as we uh, look at ourselves, Lord, I pray that we can see where we're lacking the faith uh, to grow and to mature in the Word of God. Lord, I pray that this would convict our hearts and our souls, Father, where we need to, to get a little bit deeper in the Word of God, Lord, to, to become stronger, more knowledgeable Christians, Lord, so that we can fight against the principalities of the devil. We can, we can fight against the demons, Lord, as they come at us and come to us, Lord, wanting to... to knock our feet and the wind out from under us lord i pray that uh, we would continue to study your word more in depth and grow 
and become stronger and stronger Christians. I listen in your son's name we pray. Amen. I thought we had a little choir section going on over there in the corner. Cole must have looked at him. Yeah. It happens. I cry too when I look at him. First thing we're going to look at this morning, maturity happens when we walk in God. Maturity happens when we walk in Him. So when we take the time to actually put aside all the things of this world, all the things that keep us busy, and we just walk with Jesus, we grow, we mature. We, that's what we're shooting for. Verse 6 tells us, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. We receive Jesus by confessing Him as Lord and turning away from our sins. That's what salvation is. We, we see that we have followed. We see that there's no good in us. We can't get to heaven on our own. We see that. We know that. And so we confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, and then we put aside sin. That's, that's how that works. We accept Jesus, and we get away from sin. Now, we're still going to dabble in it here and there. That's just the way it happens. I know that. But we've got to turn away from it. And as we turn away from sin and continue to grow and mature in Jesus, uh, we get closer in that walk with Him. And that's what He wants us to do is stay close to Jesus. Just a, just a closer walk with Thee, as we sing. Just a closer walk with Thee. Just continue to walk closer. And the more and the more that you walk with Him, the more you get to know Him. Think about that. I was going to use Cindy, but I think you walk by yourself a lot, don't you? Do you, do you yeah, see, you're, you're going to be bad. I was going to say, I, I know that when I worked at the town and at Samaritan's Purse, those women still take them laps at 10 o'clock in the day. There's, like, there's a herd of them, a herd of women get out and they walk. And there's, I can't remember how many laps they can take and they can do like a mile or something like that. But when I looked at that, because I, Lord knows I didn't take that walk, but I, from my perch on the second floor, I'd look out there and I'd see them women every day about 10 o'clock, they'd be making their lap, 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock or something like that. And uh, I got thinking about that. They were not just walking for their health. They were walking and fellowshipping. So it was a time for them to take a break from work and they would get together, and they would make these laps. And they, I can only imagine the conversations that they were having. Because you know those are going to be pretty in-depth conversations from those women. And so they were growing in each other. So they were getting to, they were maturing and, and learning more about one another. That's the same way with us. When we have that walk with Jesus, we're maturing with him. We're getting to know them more. There's things that those women know about each other that the other employees don't know about them because they walk and they talk and they get to know each other. They're growing in their friendship. And that's the same way with Jesus. When we walk with Jesus, we grow and we mature in that relationship we have with him. Now, Paul tells us to continue by walking the same way. Walking is a way of life. What happens if you're not physically active? You get fluffy. That's what <laughs> Carolyn was saying a while ago about somebody she knew that was fluffy. That's a good way to put it. That's a nice way of putting it. Fluffy. If you're not physically active, you can get fluffy. You, your, your muscles get weak, and you're not able to go out and do things. So you, you, you need to be active. There are people that they can bench 450 pounds. I mean, there, there's some guys and probably some girls out there. I was watching the Olympics, and they scared me. 
But there's some people out there that can just bench 450 pounds. Conley's probably one of them. Go out there and just, yeah. Just go out. But do you think Conley just gets up and, and benches 450 pounds? No. These people that can do that, it's a process. It's not just get up and start doing it. They get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and they're drinking their protein shakes. They get up early, and they warm up. And then throughout the day, they're eating uh, a lot of protein, lots of chicken and things like that. And they go to the gym every single day, and they gradually work their way up to that 450 pounds that they're benching. It's not a just go in and do it. I'll tell you all this. There was a movie came out back in the early, mid-2000s called 300. And uh, it's a pretty graphic movie. I was at the police department then. Was we married then whenever I did this? When me and TJ and Bradley started working out. Yeah. So me and Bradley uh, Swift, Preacher Bradley Swift and, and TJ Prophet decided we were going to get ripped. We was going to go and, and we was going to start working out just like the guys on that movie. And we was going to get this, this physique and we was going to get muscle. And so we printed off how to do it. And so we started going to the gym because the town of Boone's got their own gym in the basement of the fire department. And so we'd get up early and go over there. We'd stay late after work, and we'd go work out. Well, the first couple, well, about the first day, actually, we hit it really hard. And those guys, um, they had to draw their guns, and they had to take off work for a few days because we worked out so hard that they couldn't draw their guns. Their arms hurt so bad that they walked like this. I walked like this. It hurt really bad. We didn't gradually work into that exercise. We just jumped right in. You can't do that. You can't just jump right into things. You've got to gradually get into it. The same dedication is expected out of Christians. You can't just jump right into it. People think, when I got my EMT, guess what? I become a doctor, according to my grandma. She'd get a hangnail. She'd call me. She'd get a paper cut. She caught, my grandma, Verlee, swore up and down. I, my EMT certification made me a doctor. But guess what? As soon as I announced my call to preach, I'd become a psychologist. I'm telling you, people would call me out of the blue. What do you think about this? You know, just because I was called to preach don't mean that I know the Word of God backwards and forwards. I'm learning just like any other Christian is. I'm learning. I'm growing just like you. It's it's a gradual thing. We aren't supposed to be uh, weak, theologically weak. We we can't. We have to. We got to grow in it. Now, I've, I know I talk about some of these preachers that are, have their doctorate in theology, and, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with continuing your education and, and growing in the Word of God. Now, the way you present it is another story. If I was to come up here and start preaching with a doctorate in theology and philosophy, it would go over, or if I heard a preacher like that preaching up here, it would go over my head. I can't do that stuff. I got I to gotta get down I got to get down low. I got to get down on like an eighth grade level so that I can understand it. But it takes dedication. It takes dedication in reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God, so that we're not theologically weak, so that we can fire back when somebody hits us with, uh, with questions. That's one of the things that I was waiting on with uh, Paisley and, and all those youngins up in Pigeon Forge. I wanted somebody to ask them why. I don't, th- I don't guess anybody did ask you why, it's, why they should be a Christian. Nobody, I don't think anybody did. But that, I thought that would be a really good question for somebody to ask these kids as they're handing out these flyers and these baggies of things. I think it would be great. Why should I be a Christian? So that's where you've got to be theologically ready. You've got to be studied up and ready to answer that. When we walk in Jesus, we'll grow in our faith. But what does it mean to grow 
in our faith and to walk with him. Over in 1 John 1, 5, it says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Darkness is a metaphor for ungodliness. Darkness is a metaphor for immorality, for just, that's, that's the devil. Darkness pretty much means the devil. There's no light in it. That's what hell is, where the devil is. There is no light, and we know that the light is the Son of God, which would be Jesus. And so we know there's going to be eternal separation between us and God in hell because that light cannot exist in that darkness down there in hell. We can't, he cannot be there. Walking in light or walking in Jesus is the exact opposite of walking in darkness. Walking in light means we're walking with Jesus. Walking in darkness means that we're walking with the world or walking with the devil. There are differences. You can't do both. To walk in him or to walk in Jesus is to make a life of, of godliness and, and morality. That's walking in light. To walk in him is to always submit to Jesus and reject sin. If we submit to Jesus, then we'll reject sin. That means we're in the light. If we are not walking with him, it means we're accepting the sin. That means we're walking in darkness. Don't walk in the darkness. What happens when you walk in darkness? Boy, if Keith is here, the first thing he'd say is stump your toe. Because that's what he always talks about, ain't it? He, he's, he always talks about how he knows where things are in the house. And if furniture's moved just the least bit, and he gets up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, he'll stump his toe. That's what happens when you walk in the darkness. You get hurt. You ever done that, Morris? You ever, yeah. Did you cry a little? <laughs> I won't ask you what you said. This, this is the first step to maturity, but it's not sudden, and Lord knows it is not easy. Growing as a Christian is not easy. There are so many things that can get in our way. And like I said, if you grow up in church, then you kind of grow out of church, but then you go back into church. It can be hard. It's hard to stay in church. There's responsibilities. You start working. You go to school and you start working. You start having family. And so it can be tough to stay in church, but to continue to grow, it's a process. It's a lengthy process. Every day we make the decision, we make several decisions, but every day we get up, we make a decision to obey or rebel. Obey the Lord or rebel against him. Every day we have to do that. Every day we make a decision to either walk in darkness or to walk in light. We make that decision. But you've got to remember when you get up in the morning that the Lord's blessed you to wake up. He gave you not to rest. Well, whether you rested well or not is another thing, but he gave you a chance to lay down and, and sleep. But then the Bible says that his mercy is new in the morning. And remember that. So if you get up with that in your heart, knowing that he gave you rest, he gave you a roof over your head, he provided for you, maybe you had supper the night before, whether it was a bologna sandwich or steak, I don't know, but you ate, you had some substance, he provided for you. So in return, I strongly recommend that you obey and walk in the light. That's what I would encourage you to do. When we fail, we make the decision to do one of two things. Get up. Or stay down. If you stay down, that means you've let the devil win. If you get up, 
That means Jesus grabbed you by the hand and got you back up on your feet and you can go on. Obey, walk in the light, and get up. Secondly, maturity happens when you're rooted in Jesus. Now look at, at verse 7 again. It says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Now there's two words here, two word pictures here given in verse 7. I want to look at it. First one, we have been rooted. We have been rooted. I can't think of a better crowd to be talking about roots with than this group right here. Because there's things that y'all know about that a lot of other people don't know about, like growing gardens, growing Christmas trees. Uh, to my knowledge, both of those, uh, you've got to have roots. You can't have a tree without roots. You can't, you can't grow a garden without roots, can you, Matt? No. You can't do it. It's impossible. You've got to have roots. You've got to have that foundation. You've got to have something that digs down deep in the ground that's going to draw up the water and the nutrients that you need to Make whatever's growing up on top of the, the dirt. I think of a tree being rooted in the ground. The branches are not responsible for the stability of a tree. No. That's the root's job. The branch's responsibility is to produce leaves. But without the roots stabilizing the tree and drawing up the nutrients and, and the water and all that stuff, then the branches can't do their thing. They can't do their job, and that job is to provide leaf, to provide um, a shade in the summer, oxygen. That's what le uh, trees do. They provide that oxygen for us. It's not their responsibility. It's not the branch's responsibility to be rooted. The second picture here is, is built up and established in the faith. Now, this reminds me of a house being established and built on its foundation. Mike, what happens if you don't have a good foundation when you start to build your house? Yeah. <laughs> you get sued. Exactly. Or if I was looking for the house might fall, but yeah, <laughs> we'll go that way too. You get in trouble. One way or the other, you're going to get in trouble. Yeah. Uh, see, that, that happens if you don't have a good foundation, and that's one of those parables that we'll be studying. When you don't have that good foundation, the house is going to fall. It's not going to be able to stand. You got a, a sinking foundation means you're going to have a fallen house. When we're rooted and established in Jesus, we are free to function as needed. When you have a good foundation for your house, then that house can function as a structure to provide shelter for you. If there is not a good foundation, then that, that's not going to be a shelter. That's going to be a hazard, and it could fall on you. It's got to have that good foundation. So we got to be founded or have uh, deep roots uh, in what we believe in, have deep roots spiritually in the Word of God. If our spiritual life is rooted in anything else, we won't spiritually mature. If I'll go back to that for just a second. How often do you rotate and you move your garden from one place to another? Do you keep it in the same place every single year? Or do you kind of? Every two years. I remember that growing up. When we ain't got a garden right well, Paisley's got a pretty good garden right now. But growing up we had two places that we had our gardens. And we would do ours about every two years. We would rotate because what happens? You lose your nutrients. You lose it your your crops are, are taking away all the things that are in the ground to help it grow. And so you gotta you gotta move around a little bit. So we gotta keep 
digging deeper in the Word of God. We've got to keep moving around in the book so that we can learn more and more. You can't stay. I know a lot of preachers will stay in one place. And I remember uh, a preacher, Tim Pierce, one time did that. They said for almost an entire year, he preached out of a certain book. And it's like you could go in, and every single morning you knew where he was going to be, and it's like a broken record. you got to move away from that. you got to get away from now. He, every, it was always a different topic every Sunday, but he stayed in that one place. We've got to get out. We've got to move around a lot to grow and to mature. It's like the story of the seed that, that fell among the thorns that Jesus told about the, when the farmer scattered his seeds over in Luke. The parable, it's, it's related to the Word of God. and The verse says, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. So if you try to sow your seed where there's thorns, they're not going to grow. Why do you weed your garden out? If you weed your garden, you get better crops. If you don't weed your garden out, then the weeds are going to take all the good stuff out of the ground and you're going to get little short cucumbers and little bee taters and your corn's going to be about yay high and that's going to be about it. So you got to keep it weeded out at all times so that it'll grow and mature Spiritually, spiritual maturity happens when we receive the Word of God and let it bear fruit with perseverance. That's where we grow. In other words, we're rooted in Jesus. Number three, maturity happens when we decide on gratitude. Verse 7 says, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Abounding therein with thanksgiving. This goes back to what Jerry was talking about this morning when he's opened up Sunday school. He's talking about that thanksgiving, returning thanks to God for what he has done for us. Now, here I have, I don't know where Clayton got to. He disappeared. There's he coming back. <laughs> Clayton doesn't pay bills. He doesn't cook meals. He doesn't buy clothes. He doesn't mow the yard. He really don't do anything but eat and sleep and poop. That's about all I know of right now. That's it. That's all the baby does. But guess what? There will be a time, because I've already experienced it twice, when he's going to complain. Believe it or not, kids complain. I don't know if y'all have got to that stage yet where they complain. Okay, if they're breathing, they're complaining. That's the way I, that's the way I look at it. There, there's going to be a time that he's going to start complaining, and he's going to complain because he don't like his clothes. Now, if they're hand-me-down clothes from Paisley, I don't blame him. I'd complain too. But he's going to complain about the food that's in front of him. I don't want to eat the broccoli. I don't want to eat the peas. I don't want to eat the squash. I know. You ever see the face Paisley's making? I don't know why he wouldn't want to eat that stuff. But he's going to complain. He's going to. That's just the way it works. He's going to, he's going to complain. He's still young. and he's, As he gets older, though, he's going to get better, and he'll start appreciating things. That's what we're seeing now, especially with Abby. She's more appreciative of the things that she's been given as we provide for her, she's a lot more appreciative than she was when she was a lot younger. That's what maturing does. It makes you appreciate the things that you have. Your gratitude should match your age. I don't remember who used to say this, but I think it was at Willowdale when we used to be there. I think it was at Willowdale. But they used to say that your attitude should match your gratitude. Or your gratitude should match your attitude. Or probably the same thing. But they're right. Your gratitude should match your attitude. The older you are, the more breaths you've taken. You've had more opportunities to see beauty and to experience love and happiness and, and to learn and to grow. So the older we get, the more appreciative that we should be. 
You should be more thankful the older you get. And those who are less grateful tend to be less mature. If you're not very grateful for the things that you have, you're not matured in the Word of God yet. You're not matured in uh, the Christian life. And a lot of times it's because they're just getting started. They're just getting started in their Christian walk. But they'll, they'll grow in it. Well, that's what we do. We grow as Christians. The fourth thing, the last thing, maturity happens when we build on knowledge. Verse 8 tells us, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Now, some people are taken captive through philosophy and deception according to the tradition of men. That's what the Bible just told us. Some people just get so caught up in it. And there are people. We, that's why we have to be careful, especially with new Christians. You've got to be careful where they, what they're learning, what they're watching. There's people, like I said a while ago, that maybe they're not getting all that they need out of church. So what do they do? They'll turn to the Internet or they'll turn to the TV, and they'll start watching preachers or teachers on TV. But you've got to be careful with that because there's a lot of false prophets that are on TV right now. So we have to use caution. We have to use discernment with those people and make sure that we try to guide them in the right way. I think of, of two major influences in American Christianity that, that compete with the Bible. One of them is the media, and the other one is the way the government gets involved in education. Now, I'm not, I, I know separation church state. I'm, I'm all about that, but I need you to understand why those two things can ruin a Christian. Now, I want you to look at the media first. The media tells us, What's important by overwhelming the, the airwaves with things like lust and greed and power and, and being popular and being selfish and, and fame? That's what we see in the media. That's what we see in the, on TV and on, and on the Internet. And people buy into it, unfortunately. Think of the obsession we have with, with Hollywood stars. Think of the obsession that we have with sports stars or musicians. There's an obsession that a lot of people have with those individuals. And, and people make a killing, you know, just finding out what brand coffee that that person drinks. And they'll, they'll say, well, this so-and-so who plays basketball likes this version of coffee. And then they'll exploit that, and then they'll just, it just blows up. And they'll focus on that. And, you know, it's just, there's just all kinds of crazy things that go on in this world that the media has, uh, has control of that pulls us away from the Bible. I wish we had a lot more Tim Tebow's out there, believe it or not. I love the way he stood on, on things. And he brought a lot of people, uh, I'm not going to say he brought them to, to, to lead them to salvation, but at least he made them turn their Bibles open. At least he made them... Those folks that didn't go to church, at least look and see what John 3.16 was, because I think it was one of the verses he put on his, his eyes, his whatever. I was going to say eyeliner, but that ain't right, where he blacked out his eyes. But he made people, and he didn't, I didn't, he didn't force them, but because he lived a great life, a Christian life, he made people curious. And that's a good thing. Curious about Jesus. Curious about the Bible. He made them curious. Now, the other thing that I was talking about a while ago is government education, and it pushes, it pushes a lot of things on kids. It pushes uh, the theory of evolution. It pushes that on our kids, and I can't stand that. But that's what the government says that they are to learn. 
It pushes that abortion is a choice. I don't like that, but that's what they push. It pushes that homosexuality is just another alternative lifestyle. They push that. Well, we know that those three things right there are all false according to the Word of God. We know that. They have, they've set themselves up as teachers of dishonesty, which is it's not according to Jesus. It's the Christian's responsibility. It's us as the church, not just the Christian, but as the church. It's our responsibility to know the Bible and to reject these things that are against the Bible. We can reject them. We have that in us. I, I think I've told you all this before. Um, I don't know if y'all been following what's going on in Watauga right now or not, but the, we have that new rec, the new rec center, and they're trying to rename or name the pool area after uh, Coach O'Laughlin. Lane O'Laughlin, he was my science teacher whenever I was in high school. He was a great man. He was a good teacher. But he was atheist. And he pushed the theory of evolution on us. And he's the teacher that I told your mama might be a monkey, but mine wasn't. And I failed that class. But that's okay. I didn't mind that. I knew what was right. I knew what the Bible said about in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. I knew that in my heart. Not in my mind because I was taught that in Sunday school, but in my heart because I knew the Word of God and I believed and believe in the Word of God. I knew I was right. He died of cancer not too long ago, and so now they're trying to name the pool after him. So that's been a big stink because our county commissioners turned that down. Jesus makes it clear that a choice must be made. We can't serve the two masters. That means that friendship of the, with the world is enmity towards God. James 4.4 4 says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. All we want is peace. Ain't that what, that's all we want in this world, just everybody get along. Why can't we all just get along? We just want peace. We'll never see peace. There's always, the Bible tells us there's always going to be wars or, or thoughts of war. We know that it's going to continue to go and things are always going to probably get worse. But we got to know, just like this right here, like James told us right here, he said, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God because we can't serve the two. You can't serve the world and you can't serve God together. You have to pick one. So get on God's side and see what God can do to this world, how he can change this world. When we try to combine worldly and biblical philosophies, we end up with a big old mess. And y'all have heard me talk about it because you know how I am against this. As actually I told Willow Valley last week when I got to preach at home that I had to talk to a preacher last, it been two weeks ago now, and he was complaining because the fog machine was broke at his church. And the first words out of my mouth were, praise God. Probably shouldn't have said that out loud, but it did. But he said that his, his, his smoke machine didn't work, so he wasn't able to have the, the smoke show to go along with the worship service, whatever they call it over there. I thought, that's a great thing. To me, when you bring in your lasers and your strobe lights and, and your smoke and all that stuff, that's bringing the world into the church, and we know that's going to make a mess. That's going to make a big old mess. And they come in and they sing like this for like 45 minutes. And the preacher gives up and gives a quick devotion and go home. That's bringing the world in because nobody wants to hear it anymore. They go in for a quick fix. 
And that's it. You can't bring the world into church. Uh, just in case anyone decides these uh, commands that we got from Paul aren't for them, he's going to give us three reminders real fast, and, then I'll, and I'll close out. Number one, God has authority. Just, just, that's, a, that's a reminder I think we all need sometimes. God is in control. God has authority. Verse 9 tells us, it says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. This verse starts off with the word for. And I was trying to figure out how to, how to break this down. One of my commentaries did it best. I'm, I'm going to read it just as they wrote it. And it's a paraphrase. It says, Walk in him just as you were instructed. Don't let anyone take you captive through philosophy and empty deception. We just read that. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells, and he is the head over all rule. The head over all. He is the head over all. He's over everything. He has all power, all authority. He is over all. We need that reminder. Because sometimes we think we're in control. Sometimes we think we're the head. Sometimes we think we are all powerful. That's what we think. But we need to be reminded that we are nothing without Jesus. We are absolutely nothing without God in our lives. We can't do anything without Him. So we need that reminder. No one's opinions or feelings or commands matter when it comes to this. He is the ruler of rulers. The God of gods. Secondly, you pledge allegiance to him. Verse 11 and 12 says, In whom also you are circumcised with the, with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. You have been spiritually circumcised, and you have been buried and resurrected in Christ. Buried and resurrected. When we do the baptisms, that's what we're doing. It's a, we're just showing the burial of the old man and up with the new. We're showing them that we are not of this world anymore. We are a new creation, new creature. You're marked for life and you owe your allegiance to him. You're marked as a Christian. And that's a good thing to have. That's a good thing for people to say, you have been marked. That, I'll take that all day long. Put that on me. Thirdly, lastly, you're indebted. Verse 13 says, And you being dead in your sins and uncircumcised of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, <clears throat> blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. You are dead, but guess what? I'm alive now. Conley was dead. But he is now alive. Morris was dead, but he is now alive. Each one of us that have asked Jesus in our hearts was once dead. We were born dead. But once we asked Jesus in our hearts, we are now more alive than we've ever been. So having Jesus in our hearts makes us alive. You're under the penalty of sin, and now you're forgiven. You had a debt. We all had a debt. And there was no way in the world that we could ever pay for this debt that was on us and jesus said i'll take care of it for you i'll take care of that you remember what he said on the cross them them money changers put that stamp 
on them receipts and on that stamp it said tetelestia which means it is paid paid in full is what that really means paid in full jesus said you can't deal with this debt on your own you can't pay for any of this you cannot pay to get out of this debt but he said i can and i will and then on the cross he cried out it is finished and that means that he paid that debt for each one of us at that moment when he gave up the ghost he paid that debt at that moment when that stone rolled away and he came out he paid that debt he paid the debt for each one of us it is paid now you owe your life to the one who brought you to life by forgiving you of that debt we owe everything we have to him we owe this life to him and what that means is we are to work as hard as we can for him while we can every opportunity we get you do everything in jesus name that's all we can do down here we keep working hard for him and we keep telling others about jesus the most as much as we can and then when we get to heaven all those rewards that we have gained for doing his work down here we can give them to him just push them over to him won't be enough but he'll have a little from us how are you doing and growing as a as a christian this morning i'm gonna close with this are you growing or are you stagnant this came to me yesterday evening i was cleaning off the back porch again and there was a bucket back there on the back porch and it had rainwater in it guess what that rainwater had done it turned stagnant y'all ever smelled stagnant water it stinks really bad so don't you think about that as a christian are you active christian you know active water don't don't stagnate you don't smell stagnant water down around the river do you down around the creek where it's moving it don't stagnate because it's moving it's doing something but once that water gets still and ponds up pulls up it sits there and it gets stagnant and it stinks if you're an active christian you ain't going to stink if you're active you're not stagnant if you're stagnant you're not active if you're moving that means you're walking with jesus you have a close walk with god right now so if you're walking with him you're not stagnant you're growing you're moving you're doing something so you don't stink what are you doing maybe you're like those to, that the writer of hebrews wrote to your hearing has become dull we read that earlier your hearing has become dull sometimes sometimes we sit in the pews and we 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 just don't want to be here sometimes we're just getting burnt out just too much going on there's some churches that are on the go five and six days a week they're always doing something I'm great. I'm, I'm thankful that they can be active, but you can lose a lot of people that way. You can get burnt out. You can get burnt out quickly. Let's think about these poor kids. For the past three weeks, I've been working with the church uh, over in Boone, and they've got kids that are going to three different events three days in a row or three weeks in a row. They get Saturday and Sundays off, and then they're going somewhere else. We're getting ready to take them down to Andrews, North Carolina, tomorrow for another five days. I'm glad they're active, but it's the same kids for three weeks away from their parents. And my fear is that they would get burnt out 
And then we look at what they wrote there in Hebrews. It says, your hearing has become dull. They're not going to want to listen anymore. They're tired of it. So let's remember that. Your hearing has become dull. Don't let your hearing get dull. We have Clayton who is, you know, he's got away. He's, he's still drinking his milk, but now he's starting to eat solid foods. Well, I guess they're solid. <laughs> it's yogurt and applesauce, things like that. But what I'm saying is, as new Christians, just like a new baby, we start out small. And as we grow and mature in our faith, we start taking bigger bites and eating more things. Start taking bigger bites out of the Bible. Start doing a little bit deeper Bible studies. Start reading a little bit more at night than you normally do. Grow in the Word of God. Grow and mature and take that walk with Him like Paul's telling us to. Walk a little closer with Jesus. That way you can grow and mature and you're not stagnant. Don't want to be a stagnant Christian. Let's pray. Lord God, this evening again as we close out, we pray, God, that uh, you would continue to use each one of us. God, that you would move us as we walk with you. I pray, God, that we'd be uh, Christians that are outside the church, Lord, away from the pews, that we are, we're moving, we're using our legs, Lord, to go as far as we can to the four corners of the earth. God, we're not stagnant. We're not lukewarm. We're not cold. But, God, we're, we're moving vessels for you. And, God, I pray that you would allow us to move around to those that are lost, those that are hurting, those that need comfort, those that just need to experience and feel just a dab of love right now. God, I pray that you'd use us to do that. And Father, I pray today as we close out, Lord, that uh, we would keep growing up and growing in your word. We would continue to study the word of God. We continue to learn more and more about the greatness that comes from this book and from heaven. And I pray, God, that you would keep growing this church as well. Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts in a way that we've never been stirred before. God, I pray that you would stir us in a way that would get us outside our comfort zone, get us out of stagnant water if that's where we're at, and move us into that rushing river, that flowing water, get the stench of stagnant off of us, and put that, that like we talked about a few weeks ago, that new Christian smell on us where we can go out and be a lot to those that are around us. God, I pray today that you would again be with those that are traveling, keep them safe, get them back home, uh, Lord, in a, in a safe manner. And Lord, just uh, continue to be with this church as we move forward and move on. And I pray, God, that you just bless our time together this evening. And I pray, God, that you would just uh, continue to bless these families in a great and mighty way. We love you this evening. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I'm done. You're dismissed. And... Yeah, Jonathan, will you bless the food for him?